Hey everyone, welcome to That's a Good Question special edition this week. I'm John. And I'm Daryl. Cheyenne. And we are excited to have a conversation today about some really tough topics in Romans chapter 8 through 11. So our men's ministry and our women's ministry, mm-hmm. which Pastor Daryl and Cheyenne both lead, um, I've been walking through the book of Romans and talking through some hard topics like predestination and election and how all that stuff works. And so we're excited to get to take a bunch of the questions that the men and women have asked and get to field those and talk yeah. about some of those hard questions in a greater length than we could have during teaching times right. in those. so And two, this is a, it's a humbling topic. Yeah. And these are difficult questions. But when the Bible clearly says words like election, predestination, we got to take them for what they say, mm-hmm. even though we can't completely understand the mind of God completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a perfect, infinite God, and we're imperfect and finite. Yeah. And so we just have to take... God for what he says and for his word. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. So we're going to take we're going to take what scripture says and we're going to try to understand all that God has for us. We're going to recognize that there are some parts that we don't fully understand. There's right. some mystery. Yeah. Um, but like you said also, the words predestination and election are in the Bible. We can't simply say that we don't believe in these things or don't do anything with these because they're in the Bible. So right. we've got to do something with yep. them. We have, yeah. to, we have to believe them, understand them. Exactly. Yep. Cool. All right, here we go. Question number one. How do I know if I'm one of the chosen? Mm. <laughs> That's such a hard hard question to hear someone ask because you would assume most of the time they're asking from um, a place of humility, I yeah. think, right? So right. I think, um, I don't know, I just want to affirm that, that asking that question is, is a fair question yeah. to mm-hmm. ask, right? Yeah. So how would you answer that? I, You know, I thought of this verse right off the bat going through Romans. That if you're able to do this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. I would say that if you've been given the gift of faith to believe that and you truly believe that, you, I would say that God has given you his grace and He's you're born again and you are one of the elect if you believe that. Yes. Yeah, the, the doctrine of election should not be a reason for Christians to doubt their faith right. and wonder, was I really chosen? Because... The way that you know that you're chosen is if you have faith in Jesus, if you've repented of your sins and trusted right. him for salvation. Yes. That's how you know that you are chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, our job is not to try to figure out um, sort of the secret mystery of who's elect and if we're one and if our friends are one. That's that's up to God. Right. Uh, our job is simply to believe and teach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just, it's, it should give us a confidence because our salvation is in God mm-hmm. and not what we do. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's a source of confidence because... God is amazing, awesome, mm-hmm. perfect, and this plan is perfect, and I know I'm saved by him and not and his perfection and not by my imperfections. Mm-hmm. I think this whole passage as we've been studying Romans, um, it does raise a lot of questions, right? And so, again, I think it's fair that this question comes out that we ask, well, man, am right. I am right. I chosen? But I think that the whole purpose of the passage, and in, in, especially in Romans 8, what we see is, is that Paul wants them to be very confident mm-hmm. in their election, the way that he yeah. talks about how those who he foreknew, he also predestined, right. those who predestined, he also called, and those he called, all you know, that whole chain. Right. Yeah. Um, and then moving into nothing can separate us from the love of God and Christ. So, yeah. 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 Amen. All right, guys. Next question. Here we go. What is God's purpose in creating sons and daughters if they will not be part of the elect and called his own? Does he still love these people? Are they still his sons and daughters? Oh, this is this is a tough question. 
that, you know, the Bible states some things that are, are pretty clear about this, but it's still not easy mm-hmm. to yeah. to decipher. And I'm glad that um, I'm not the one making these decisions and God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I would say with, um, even though we're all created in God's image and while God does love the world, you know, for God to love the world, he does have a special love for his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we see here very, just in sticking in the book of Romans where says, uh, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Um, you know, there's there's God's saving grace and God's um, common grace. Yeah. And the rain does fall on the righteous and the wicked. You know, Esau had the blessings of family. He had the common grace blessings of family. That shows God's love for him. But he did not have the special love that Jacob had. Yeah, yeah often we want to use that phrase that uh, all of us are God's children and there's a sense in which that's true because um, God made all of us so Paul refers to that sense in the book of Acts when he's preaching talks about us being all God's children in the sense that he created all of us Mm -hmm. but in the sense that all of us um, know God love God have a relationship with God not all of us are God's children Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. the church is called the bride of Christ you know, um, there are other, you know, John, I work with you. I love you, man. But not like I love my bride. <laughs> love you, too. <laughs> not like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. I think, uh, <laughs> um, you know, in Romans uh, 9, when it goes and it's talking about the vessels of wrath, mm-hmm. that's such a hard thing. But it says right in here, um, that God created some vessels of wrath so that God's mercy might be magnified and right. the glory of God might be shown. And so in some ways, that's not a satisfying answer for us. But it's all just pointing to that like we that mystery that we can't quite understand right. other than that it, it magnifies. Right. It magnifies the mercy of God. That's why I think for me, one of the books that helped me understand some of these things is Desiring God by John Piper. Uh-huh. That the best, you know, he says in there that the best gift that God can give us is more of himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And any way that he can magnify and glorify himself, that's the greatest good. Mm-hmm. And for for me, it's and for others, it's hard to understand that because if I were to do that, I would be arrogant and prideful because I have so many imperfections. But for God to do that, it's it's great. Or I like to equate it to... The greatest gift I could give my children is me spending time with them mm-hmm. and being there with them and loving them rather than just gifts. Mm-hmm. And with God, I mean, that that's the best thing he can give us is himself and, and make yeah. himself more known to mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And uh, as I think about Romans 9, there's I feel like we see kind of both sides of, of even the within God, the two <clears throat> different emotions or feelings towards this whole thing of... Romans 9 begins with Paul saying, I almost wish that I could give up my mm, salvation yes. for the sake of others being saved. And I think writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul reflects the heart of God. God mm-hmm. God is there. God desires that, First Timothy 2, 4, God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, God wants that, but at the same time, because of his justice, that, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. People who are, are sinful, which is all human beings, who don't repent and come to Jesus, then they receive wrath and judgment right um and that's sad and yet also brings god glory because it shows that he's just and right yeah does what's right those are sobering thoughts but we have to that's what the bible states that's exactly right that's it it's it's sobering it's hard to swallow and yet Mm -hmm. we don't get to make up who god is right in fact we have to like remember even that we are not more merciful 
than yeah. God or more loving right. than God, right? right? It, it's humbling too in that fact of we, who, who are you, a man, to question God? And yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, who am I? Right, I yeah. act like I'm the most loving person, but mm-hmm. how, was I, how yeah. was I to my family early this morning? Like, <laughs> sure. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. we could very easily, um, we very easily think that we know better than God and we would do better. Yeah. Yeah. That's just not true. God tells us that he's good, that he's loving, that he's just. And, um, I think there's a lot of ways in which we can see that evidence of that, but also we sort of have to just take his word and realize that's right. He is who he says he is. And we're going to trust him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so much good stuff we could talk about on each of these. We'll keep going. Yeah. More stuff will keep coming out. Here we go. Next question. If God elects and or predestines those who he chooses, why should we bother sharing Christ with others? If it's already decided, what's the point of evangelism? Hmm. Good practical question. Yeah. I love this question. I yeah. I actually think because God elects and he chooses, I feel so much more free to evangelize mm-hmm. because I don't feel like that burden is on me and I don't have to overthink, did I do a good enough job sharing with this one person? Um, and, and really just, uh, I have the freedom to be able to speak with whatever amount of time, whatever, wherever, wherever the conversation mm-hmm. goes and, um, just trust God to do, right. to do the work with, with that. Yeah. I got to say recently in a, in a, in a video about prayer that, um, God ordains both the ends as well as the means. Um, I think that's one way to yeah. just um, sort of tactically understand what's happening, that if God is ordained for, um, for Daryl to be saved, then he's also ordained for somebody to share the gospel with Daryl. Right. Yeah that those two things go together. I don't right. really understand exactly how all that works in God's mind, but that's that's how it works. Yeah. So uh, believing in these things doesn't mean we get to sit on the couch and just say, well, God will save who he wants to save. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you're being disobedient, yeah. and, and you know God is not pleased <laughs> with that, and so yeah. you're going to have that to deal with yep. if you're doing that. No, God ordains the ends, somebody getting saved, as well as the means, somebody right. sharing the gospel with them. Yeah, he commanded it, but I also it's a privilege. It is a privilege. You know, yeah. It's like God... God says he could do it, but Mm -hmm. he uses us to do it, um, the means, Mm -hmm. and he uses us to do it. Um, And I love what you said, too, that, you know, that about the confidence that it gives us. And it just, that reminded when I was writing some things down on this. And uh, in Acts, there's a couple verses where, um, in Acts 18, 9 and 10, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I'm with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Mm-hmm. We can know that God still, until he returns, mm-hmm. there are people on this earth that are his, that, that, that he's going to use us. And in Acts 13, 48, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Mm-hmm. And thinking of those examples... Um, you know, we have the example of the Apostle Paul. That, mm-hmm. uh, the Apostle Paul goes into each town and he preaches the gospel. Right. And whoever responds, responds. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. That he, God doesn't give him a list of names. And he goes into the town mm-hmm. and says, all right, right, these are the elect and here I go and I'm going to try to find them. Um, it just doesn't work that way. You go right. in and you preach the gospel and, and it's up to God what happens right. next. And I think it's it's so... Um, it's so neat to be used in that way. You know, you, you said that God... He um, cares about the, the means and the ends. And for us to be used in that way, a lot of times what we see is people who we never would have expected to respond to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Respond. And sometimes in ways that we didn't even, in ways that we didn't expect them to. Right. Can I make a quick confession? 
Okay, years ago. (laughs) Years ago, before I was on staff, um, I had a friend (laughs) who um, was not a believer. And, but she had some questions, and so I had invited her to Bible study before knowing what Bible study was on. When I found it out it was on, if we were doing Nehemiah, I was like, ooh, Nehemiah? Like, you can't start with <laughs> Nehemiah. You can't, right? Sure. And I uninvited her to Bible study. So I uninvited her to Bible study, and then one of my friends challenged me and was like, don't you think that God can use anything? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, but this was really my first experience um, evangelizing and having someone who, who was sincerely seeking. Yeah. And so um, I was like, all right, you should just come to Nehemiah. That's it's awesome. a weird <laughs> book to start with, but sure enough, like the Lord did awesome things yeah. to that, and she's a believer. We forgive you, Cheyenne. It's yeah. Just, I just, <laughs> I'm just saying I how, like, you were caveating with how before <laughs> you were on staff and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay. In yeah. First Corinthians, it talks about how Paul... You know, Paul waters some some yes. waters, some plant yeah. seeds, but it's God yeah. who gives the growth. Yeah, and we can't look at those seeds right. and think we know how they should be. So, right. anyways, that was my. Thank you for confessing. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> it was a powerful. I mean, it's funny it's, to yeah, talk true. about now, but it was powerful it's for so me true. to yeah. see God work. Yeah. That's in a really ways practical that I way. Yeah, yeah. Expected. Yeah. yeah, yeah. God can even use the Book of Leviticus. <laughs> That's right. Bring people to Jesus. All right, next question. Here we go. Matthew twenty two fourteen says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Does this relate to Romans eight, twenty nine to thirty, where Paul's talking about those who are predestined and called? Is the Greek word the same for both versions of called, or do they have completely different meanings? The Greek words are the same. Okay. But the context is different. In Matthew twenty two you have the calling is there's it's the parable of the wedding feast. And the king sends out servants to go and invite people to the wedding feast they're the ones doing the calling mm-hmm. yeah so the calling in this point would part in this parable would be us like us calling people to repentance trust in the lord you know it, that that would be what the calling means in this passage mm-hmm. where the call in romans 8 it's god who's mm-hmm. doing yeah. the calling yeah yeah and i think even in the English way that we use that word, you can use it in different ways. Mm-hmm. I might, yeah. um, I might uh, make a call, like an invitation. Um, mm-hmm. I might call out, "Would you come to my party?" Um, or make you a know, phone call. Yeah, or <laughs> or in um, or in like a boss to employee relationship, you might your boss might call upon you to do something, and mm-hmm. it's actually like a command, and you must right. do that. Like, so we even use that word in different ways. Um, yeah. So the, in, in theology, we talk about it as the general call, the universal call that. Mm-hmm come to Jesus and receive salvation and then the effectual call that once somebody has heard the universal call come to Jesus and receive salvation then the Holy Spirit can work go in somebody's heart and make that right. calling have effect and um, yes well yes yeah. and well and yeah. we'll do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. great question um, cool good let's go to the next one how can God be good if he creates some for eternal damnation especially if he wants all to be saved how can God be good if some are created simply to end up in eternal damnation? Yeah, that's another one of the sobering questions mm-hmm. that yeah. we all wrestle with and think mm-hmm. of, and it, it's it's one of those ones where you know in, in Romans nine, going there, um, you know, after he says, "As is written, Jacob, I have loved Esau, I hated." Paul kind of anticipates questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For if he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, 
I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion, so that it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Um, and it talks about Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth, so that on he, so that he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever, whomever he wills. And then it comes back with another question about, you know, how... Um, what can we say then? Why does he still find fault? Who can resist his will? And he talks about the potter and the clay at that point. And that's one thing we have to realize is that this world, God's the creator. He's the only creator, capital C. And he's good and he's perfect. And he can do things that we don't understand. And they're still good, yeah. even though we don't understand it. Yeah. I think another important thing to bring into this is to remember that... Um, None of us is is deserving of salvation. Correct. All of That's us. Very good point. All of us deserves hell. So I've sometimes drawn it like on the whiteboard when you're trying to teach this that it's not as though you've got um, you know person A and person B and God chooses one or the other to save. It's more like person A and person B are um, falling um, into the you know towards the fire. They're 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 falling and God reaches in and snatches one out of right. the flames. Uh, right. Uh, both, all of us are are deserving of God's yeah. justice and wrath. And yeah. By grace, He chooses to save some of us. Yes. Yeah. Can I just like follow up this question? Yeah. Because I think I know yeah. some of the heart of it is like why even created us mm. at all? Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, knowing and and predestining. How would you answer that? I, I think part of it is is what John was just talking about is is our, our depravity. You know, there's a reason why Paul starts out in the book of Romans, you know, with verse one eighteen through verse three twenty, he's he's hammering on on our depravity and and none of us deserve it. And God shows his goodness, his mercy, his grace, and it brings glory to himself to um save some. Mm-hmm. And even though that is so hard, and mm-hmm. I can't, my own emotions and heart um, kind of battle even in talking with it, but that's that's what the Bible says, and I trust that God knows way better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you said before, I'm not more merciful than God. Mm-hmm. I'm not better than God. I do not know better than God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, like you guys have already said, this is, I think, one of those really hard-to-swallow mm-hmm. um, teachings of Scripture. Um, yeah. There, the reality is that there are some who come into this world and then will go to hell, eternal damnation. Mm-hmm. Um, God knows why that's um, a thing that is good and glorifying to him. Uh, for us, that's hard to swallow. As I think about friends and family members who mm-hmm. that might be their fate. I hope and pray that it's not their fate. Um, try to share the gospel with them. Uh, but it might be their fate. Um, there was another thing I was going to bring into that. I lost what it was. There's a quote by Tim Keller, and I think I've um, actually misquoted it a little bit, but I think the, <laughs> the thought behind it is that if we knew what God knows, we would choose what God chooses. Mm, yeah. Now, I think that also we would have to be as good and as loving as God, so not right. just omniscient as yeah. he is, um, because with a lot of knowledge doesn't necessarily come, you know, think of Solomon, all Correct. the wisdom yeah. in the world, and yet he was... Um, not wise in his in mm-hmm. his actions, but yeah. but the the idea of if we were God, we would do the same thing. 
yeah, mm-hmm. that he chooses. But it is a hard, yeah, it's a hard question to wrestle with. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think the second thing I was going to say is, yes, again, super, super hard. But I think also, too, we got to remember in the in the story of Scripture, so we know, knowing what we know in Romans 9 through 11, some of the behind the scenes, what's going on um, in terms of God choosing before the beginning of creation. Mm-hmm. But the story of Scripture in the book of Genesis actually puts the onus not on God, but on us for sin. That, yeah. right. that God created human beings to dwell with him and be yeah. with him for forever. Um, so, you know, we got to remember that, yeah, us human beings are at fault for the brokenness of the world, the right. sin that came into the world. Yeah. Um, we can't just point the finger back and say, right. this is God's fault. Yep. That's there's fault. The, the, whole, the teaching of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Yes. They're both taught in Scripture. Yes. And we have to hold them in tension correctly and not sway to one side or the other. Yes. I think if, if you're somebody really trying to wrestle through this right now and thinking about it and maybe taking notes, I would write down God's sovereignty, human responsibility, and circle that. That those are two things that yep. those are both true, but we don't know exactly how they work together. That's where right. we think that there's a mystery. Yep. And God is and, bigger than us yeah. and we don't know. And it calls it a mystery. It calls it a mystery yeah. too. That's not even just Right. Pastor John's words. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Those aren't worth that much. So No, that's not. Yeah. Cool. Good. Let's keep going. Next question. All right. People throw around the saying, if it's God's will, blah blah blah. Nice, nice, nice phrasing there. Uh, if it's God's will, blah, 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 will happen. Is this correct theology? Where is biblical proof of this? If so, why should I bother taking safety precautions like wearing a seatbelt? Oh, man, I literally had that written down on a list of questions that I wanted to answer in the near future. Because I have, I actually had somebody, when I was in high school, one of my really good friends, yeah. um, We had, it was shortly after we had gotten our licenses, and it, he literally was debating me theologically, why should I wear a seatbelt if God's in control of everything? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Here's what I've been telling people, and I really want to make sure that I'm getting this right. God has two wills. He has the moral will, which is always holiness, right? It's always in accordance with his holiness and his holy plan. And then he has his sovereign will, which is different, and that's redemptive. He uses it. He uses our unholiness sometimes for redemptive purposes. How would you... Is that so, on track? Or yeah, what totally. Would you add I would add. I would add to, to it a little bit. So, okay. um, so those two categories, two really smart guys in the Christian faith, Jonathan Edwards and John Calvin, are two guys that have okay. that have talked about those two different wills. If you wanted to read more guys talking about, it. yeah, um, but they're just kind of labels that we put on these two two ways that God, um, two desires that God has that seems contradictory. Mm-hmm. So it's part of God's moral will that I not murder. God desires. He wills. That I not murder. But if I were to murder, Pastor Daryl, it's not going to happen to everybody. It's clear I disappeared, but uh, it's getting too real. Sorry, my man. Uh, but if, if I were to do that, it's not as though God is going, I didn't know that was going to happen. Right. I took my hand off the wheel for a minute, and look what happened. You know. Um, so on the one hand, we could say it's outside of God's will that sure. Pastor John murders Pastor Daryl. And on the other hand, we can say that it's within God's will. That Pastor John murdered Pastor Daryl. Right. Right. It's both of those two things at the same time. God didn't want it to happen. It's against his moral will. But God knew it was going to happen. It was part of his will, his sovereign will, in the sense that it did happen. So on the one hand, everything that happens is within God's will. On the other hand, many things that happen are not within God's okay. will. Right. And in this case, I mean, it's almost just like we have different ways that we use words, mm-hmm. too. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. I, I say, too, it's, you know, with the seatbelt question and, and all of that, it's God... 
God doesn't ask to say like is not fatalistic where yeah. we're just robots doing things. We we do have a, a will. Right. We do have a, a free will. Um, where people get that um, confused is that if we have a free will, they they take that into the realm of salvation without looking at that we're dead in trespasses and sin. Person who's not a Christian does have a free will. They just don't want God. It takes a work of God to actually put your faith and trust in God. So our, we do have a will. We do have a yearning to want to live, and God has put that in there with us. We're not just automatons going around doing whatever God tells us to do. We do. We are humans. We have a soul. We're created in his image. And so we need to realize that, too, in this conversation. When people will say to me, well, uh, well, don't I have a free will? Because somebody will they'll be, well, we'll talk about this teaching that God's in control and God actually knows what you're going to do and is in control of it, um, even though you still make choices. And they'll say, well, don't I have a free will? And I'll say, well, choose not to sin ever again for the rest of your life. And you tell me if you have a free will or mm-hmm. not. We actually don't have a free will. We have a bonded will. Right. Our will is bonded to sin. That's a good way to put it. Um, and so a truly free will would be able to choose not to sin. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at is that I think sin has yeah. bonded our will. So we do make choices, mm-hmm. and we can talk about how they're, they're freely right. made. But, right. but you're, you're, you're bonded to sin, and actually the, the grace of God in, this, in the teaching of election and sovereignty is that God actually comes in and enables you. He unbonds your will. He enables right. you to, to choose to follow Jesus. Gives so, you life. Yeah, he puts life in you. So yeah. That's I, I believe the same exact thing. I just worded a little yeah, bit yeah, differently. Yeah. Like, my will is so free, but I'm going to choose to sin, and I do not yeah. want God. I would never, a person who's dead in their trespasses and sin, it's not, they, they'll never choose God. Mm-hmm. They never will until God does the first work. I just love how, you know, sometimes we have topics where we're pulling from a lot of different places in the Bible to answer some of these questions. And really so many of these questions all come back to Romans. Mm-hmm. And there's no one that seeks God. Yeah. Um, and he, I've been found by people who were not looking for me. You know, right. Yeah. Just going to the idea of that you guys are expressing about free will, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Here we go. Next question. What about all the verses in the Bible that talk about trusting and believing in God? The invite is there, but don't we have to accept? Yes, we do. Yes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Yeah. <laughs> Romans 10.9, you know, yep. that you just read a few minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've hit this one a yeah. little bit already, but, yep. but just to reiterate quickly. So the Bible absolutely says that. We, just like Jesus and the Apostle Paul are called to preach the Bible, the gospel that way. So when I sit with somebody and, and tell them about that they have sinned, that they need a Savior, and that the way to receive salvation is put your faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. I don't then say to them, now go away and sit on your couch and we'll just see what happens. I, I invite them and say, now put your faith in Jesus. Would you like Would you like to pray right now if mm-hmm. you're ready? Are you ready? I'd love to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it is an invitation. That's how God um, demonst- gives us examples and tells us how, how to do it that yep. way. Um, cool. Next question. Universal reconciliation is for is uh, oh so that's the category. Here's the question: Is everyone eventually going to be restored to a right relationship with God? We'll be right back after this break. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, one of the co-hosts of Mom Guilt, a podcast with new episodes every Monday. Mom Guilt is a podcast about the daily struggles of motherhood. Stephanie and I share real experiences of Mom Guilt and how we have found freedom from that guilt through the gospel. 
Listen to us on resoundmedia.cc or wherever you find podcasts. No. 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 Uh, I know in in Matthew um, 25, 48, Jesus speaking, um, it says that, um, sorry, it's 2546, and these will go away into, into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Mm-hmm. So that um, there are those who will have eternal punishment. Yeah. So uh, it's a popular idea that people will talk about, like mm-hmm. you mentioned. So Rob Bell is a, was a local pastor, um, wrote a book called Love Wins, um, and there are others that say this as well, that maybe not on earth everybody will come to trust in Jesus and be saved, but they're saying that maybe there's a second chance after death. And what we want to say to that is just, man, the Bible doesn't say that. I would say no. If you want to, in your mind, say, well, it doesn't say for sure, so maybe there's a chance. I'll tell you what, it's not not something you should bank on. Yeah, because it's just not there in the Bible. The Bible does Mm -hmm. not say there's going to be a second chance. I see nothing but warnings. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Great. Two questions left. We're almost to the end here. Here we go. Uh, second to last one. Romans 8 talks about the Holy Spirit eating, uh, interceding for us and also talks about Jesus interceding for us. Are these two, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, doing the same thing or is it two different types of interceding? It's a good question. I've never even really thought too deeply about that. Yeah. Um, I would say it's different um, that he, Jesus intercedes for us as our high priest. We can enter the throne room of God and come to God in prayer. Yeah. Because he's our high priest. We enter now the Holy of Holies. Um, and But in the Holy Spirit, I would say, intercedes us. He's called the helper. Um, as that way, it it's talks in Romans 8 about him being our helper. Um, so, yeah. I was curious how you guys were going to answer this. Because isn't the Holy Spirit also our deposit, our seal of salvation? Yes. And so in that way, he is... Proceeding for our <laughs> yes. salvation, also. Yeah. But, so, but, yeah. yeah, I want to hear. I'm just, <laughs> I did not ask this question uh, just to be okay. clear, but I thought, oh, that's, that's a good question. That's a good question. It's a good so we it's often say that the Father is the originator, the Son is the mediator, and the Spirit is the applier, applicator, however you want to say that. I was thinking this in prayer, too, because it, yeah. it, cause it says in prayer in right. 8, and then um, Hebrews 4, is kind of a lot in going towards prayers as well. So that's where I was looking yeah. at in this. And yeah. then when you open the door to a whole different area with the Spirit, you know, like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I so whenever I picture this happening in prayer, I often picture the Father sitting on the throne, Jesus next to the throne, um, sort of like like this, you know, on the like, right hand, sort of receiving in one hand and I'm, and like speaking to God in the other. But and then the Holy Spirit is the one who's like the next step away. He's like in us, right? And so it's almost like the Holy Spirit is like taking the football and he throws it up to Jesus, and then Jesus like hands it over to the Father. That, and that sounds, sounds like a little ridiculous, yeah, maybe, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking. That's okay. <laughs> I'm totally thinking anyway. Also, oh, thinking but about no, Romans eight yes. twenty six. I know yes. the Holy Spirit yeah. is the one who it groans on our behalf. He's Christ. in us, and so He knows yes. what's going on in us, and He groans on our behalf. And then Jesus is the one who's 
beside the throne taking that and I don't know he's he's yeah. interpreting it to the next level and it goes to the father right and then the action goes back down that's yeah. how it but then there's the interceding as part of as Jesus he intercedes for us in in here as well um um oh right here yeah verse 34 who's at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us mm-hmm. so in this passage it's talking about those two different yes. types right yes. regardless of what that the spirit is involved in both. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Perfect. One last yep. question. Let's. Is that all right? Let's hit the last yeah. question. Yeah, Here you're we go. good. Question for the church on aligning with predestination. If you claim as a church to be non-denominational, why only preach and teach the Reformed theology point of view on this subject? If you're non-denom, why not offer multiple points of view in Scripture uh, for people to study and learn? Hmm. Fair question. Yes, very. I'll, it's a I'll fair just question. start with a. I'll yeah. start with a statement, and yeah. then you. And then you go ahead. Being non-denominational doesn't mean that we're not committed to an interpretation of scripture. Correct. Every everybody has an interpretation yeah. of scripture. Um, mean being non-denom doesn't mean that we just say, "Hey, believe whatever you want." Yeah. It means that we still have a conviction about this is what the Bible teaches. Right. We actually have creeds and confessions that spell out um, specifically what we believe right. the Bible teaches with. You know, references back to where that says that in Scripture. Me, being non-denom means that we're not um, a part of a certain affiliation of churches. Right. And there's some subjects that we would teach, maybe the different views, like end times that aren't quite as clear, but we really believe that the, the subject of predestination and election, because it says that so clearly, and it's modeled throughout Scripture, I mean, God chooses Noah, he chooses Abraham, he chooses he, Jacob, you know, he throughout all of Scripture that is just modeled everywhere, and that we would that we we think it's very clear, and so we want to make that clear because in the end it gives God all the glory and salvation, yeah. and we want, really want to make that clear. And um, maybe at another point in time, in another, if I did one in, on on faith formation or something, yeah. and where we were, had more time, I would say that's another reason. Yeah. We're flying through the Book of Romans, really. Actually, um, where it seem, might seem long, but people have preached through the Romans. I think was it John Piper? It was like eight, eight years, years or something yeah. like wow. that um, yeah. through the Book wow. of Romans. So we're we're touching on a lot of these subjects real fast. So we want to get to what we think is the heart of it, yeah. and really focus on that. And what um, that's um, that's why we're doing it in the way that we are. Yeah, and I think the question, um, you know, referred to the idea of being reformed. And so we're not reformed in the sense that we are part of the RCA or the CRC or the URC or or any of those. Um, But reformed is actually more about a certain um, way of of reading the Bible than it is about a certain affiliation of churches. So reformed is not in our church name. We're not a part of a denomination that's reformed. Mm -hmm. But we are reformed in the sense that we look back to the Protestant Reformation, guys Mm -hmm. like John Calvin, guys like Martin Luther, and we hold to some of those principles of Scripture alone, and not popes and councils, but Scripture alone, mm-hmm. faith right. alone, grace alone, by and through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Did I hit all five of them? Um, I didn't count either. So, what were you gonna say, Shane? Um, I just was gonna say that I think that I just think that this is helpful to for people to hear. If if you have only ever seen denominations and then you hear non-denominational, I can see how you would expect right. that. Yeah. Um, but the limit of time to. Um, and I think that the small groups, those things do come out because we, we have a little bit of a melting pot of mm-hmm. denominational representation among our people, yeah. right? And so there's space yeah. to wrestle with some of those things. And ultimately, for a lot of those things, even the things we've been talking about here, 
Um, they're important to us, especially because of how we interpret scripture. But if you don't understand it and you're like, I'm not there yet where I can accept it yet, that's not something that we're ready to kick people out of the church. No, correct. No, not at Thank all. you for saying yes. that. Yeah, that, so, okay. that helps. So um, yeah. what we say in the membership class all the time is... Uh, is that this is what we believe. So we talk about this topic in the membership class. Exactly. We talk yeah. about yeah. The, the doctrines of grace, talk about God's sovereignty and salvation. And we say, this is what we see in the Bible. This is what the yeah. Bible teaches. This is what we believe at Peace Church. Now, if this is very new to you and you're struggling with this, that's okay. Yep. That's right. okay. It doesn't mean you can't become a member. Um, so w- we know that people are coming from all kinds of different backgrounds yeah. to Peace Church, and we think that's great. You yes. don't have to have a certain background to come to Peace Church. Um, but we also want to just teach what the Bible says. And if it's a struggle, it's okay if it takes you a long time and you got to keep thinking about yeah. it, studying and asking questions. That's great. Um, but we want to just keep teaching what the Bible says, even when it's hard. And, and I would say, too, that um, a lot of denominations would agree with what we're teaching as well. Sure. You know, I was brought up Baptist, and it, it is a, melt, a melting pot a little more. But most of the churches I was in, this is what was taught yeah. was this right yeah. here this was what when we came to these passages of scripture yeah. that, that would be the interpretation of it yeah awesome thank you guys for the conversation yeah. Yeah, great stuff you. Yeah. thank you everybody for your great questions awesome hopefully this was a helpful resource to you appreciate it have an awesome week you can find that's a good question at resoundmedia.cc or wherever you listen to podcasts